What does it take to excel in a fast-paced work environment? Let's find out with today's guest, Richard Aloisio. Welcome to another episode of Question Everything, where we connect young leaders with experts in entrepreneurship, publishing, and design. I'm your host, Carly Sotis, and today I'm speaking with Richard Aloisio. Richard is the weekend art director of the New York Times, and in my opinion, is one of the most creative and best-dressed New Yorkers in the city. In today's episode, Richard shares insights from his decades of experience at the New York Times and shares advice for young people who feel overwhelmed by a new job or position. We also talk about the importance of creativity and self-expression and how simple gestures of kindness can make a big difference in others' lives. So thank you so much for having me today. I'm wondering if you could start by telling us a bit about your background and how you first got started working at the New York Times. My background is I went to a, an art school for four years in Brooklyn, Pratt Institute. I didn't know quite where I would end up. I knew I enjoyed art. Uh, actually, when I was in high school, I, I didn't know. I had two choices. I thought either I would go into art, some field of art, or journalism. And it turns out I did both the way it worked out. But that was sheer luck, I think. When I got out of Pratt, I interviewed at a couple of places some of them were little design studios, but they never seemed right. They never struck a chord until I walked through. <laughs> this is going to sound strange, but I knew I wanted to work among a lot of people. I felt for myself I needed a lot of people. And the design studios were always a, like a small group of people, not enough for me. And they'd offer me the job, and I, I turned down a couple and I, and because I really needed what I wanted. So when I walked through the doors of Penthouse Magazine, the, it opened up and there were just like people moving back and um, coming out of doors and it was like just so many people. The minute I walked out of the elevator, I said to myself, this is where I want to work. You know, I didn't know what I'd be doing, but, you know, I was interviewed and uh, I'll never forget uh, the associate art director opened my portfolio and he just opened it. This is before computers, so, you know, there was no discs that you were, you know, there was no iPad or... It was an actual big portfolio of your artwork, your original artwork. Um, so he opened it up, and the first thing he said was, this is the neatest portfolio I've ever seen. I mean, it was like, I didn't know what he'd been seeing, you know, but you know, I've seen portfolios myself, and it's usually like people prepare it in bed, and it's like there's scraps, and there's... Anyway, mine was very, very clean. So um, I got hired at Penthouse, and I started doing magazine design. And, you know, I fell into that in a way, you know, but, but it was a design kind of a thing. And then after that, I left there about, after about two and a half years, and then I became the art director of a sports magazine called Inside Sports. I don't know if it's still around anymore. And I'm not a sports person. I'm not a sports fan at all. And the thought of doing another Super Bowl issue was uh, I couldn't face it, so uh, I left, and, the, and I think I took off for about six months. I didn't do anything. And then I thought, you know, then I felt, oh, it's time to, you know, start working again. And uh, I signed up with a headhunter, I believe, at the time. And she had me go on an interview at the Times. And, and then I got that job. But that, uh, this job was really difficult for me uh, at first. And, as, and the story I tell is that I wanted to quit every day for the first two and a half years. It was miserable for me. It was really hard. And I told this at my, I had an anniversary party when I was here 30 years. Um, and one of my bosses said sarcastically, why did you stay, you know, if you wanted to quit for two and a half years? And I, and I didn't want to quit is basically the answer. I didn't want to give in. 
you know, it, it was very difficult in terms of design, but also in terms of everything else, in terms of deadlines and the nature of the place. You know, you're working for the New York Times. It was it was important to do everything right, but also. You know, I came from a magazine, uh, going to a newspaper, which was even bigger than it is now because we've shrunk it in size over the years. But it was huge. So the scale of design was really difficult for me to grasp, you know, because I was doing layouts for a little magazine. And meanwhile, it's on a big piece of paper, and it just disappeared. So it was a real learning experience. And it wasn't until, and it took me a long time to, to grasp it. Um, but the best thing is it made me incredibly fast because I was uh, used to a monthly magazine, and then I was doing daily pages. You know, it was, a, it was a real amazing shift. So I got very fast, which was wonderful, and, you know, you're completely intuitive. You, there's no time to think. Your brain has to be like, I know what I'm going to do. You know, you're gonna need, they, need, they need something in a half hour. It's got to print. You're going to have to have something. What advice would you give to young people who are in those positions where they found themselves in a new job and they don't know what's going on? Do you have any insights that you could share from your two years of feeling like that? Well, you know, everybody's different. Uh, but for me, it was more a sense of not wanting to give up. You know, I, I pride, I'm a perfectionist. So I pride myself on getting everything right and getting all the details right. And that would have seemed to me giving up. And I didn't want to do that. And as tough as it was, I just felt a sense of, you know, don't give up yet. As far as uh, advice, I think you have to stick with it for a certain amount of time. Either they're going to fire you or, or you're, gonna, you're just going to say, that, you know, I've had enough. And you'll know, but you can't, give in too, you can't give up too quickly. You really have to stay. You know, two and a half years is a long time. I know people don't even stay at jobs that long anymore because of technology nowadays, especially even here now. You know, we used to have people who were here for a lifetime, and now, you know, anybody new and young who comes here, they consider three years a very long time to stay. Your position sounds very hectic, like you're doing so many different things. I'm wondering what a day in the life of the New York Times art director looks like. Well, every day, every day is different here. Each art director has his or her own section, and you know, we are all on different schedules. So we all know each other's schedules, so we know when I'm going to be in a bad mood or you're going to be in a bad mood because that's the day we close the section or that's the day it really hits the fan. So you know, everybody has a, has a different schedule, and it starts slow because nobody knows what they're putting into the section yet. Decisions here are often made very late, this has been something that has been worked on to be corrected for my 35 years, and it hasn't been corrected yet. It's just hard to get people to say, this is what's happening. You know, it's not like a monthly magazine mm -hmm. where it's like all this lead time. You know, if somebody dies, you know, when Prince dies, you, you scramble. Mm -hmm. uh, when Michael Jackson died, it's like, oh, Michael, you know, it's like you, everybody's running around. You, this, you, you have no idea when Bill Cunningham passed away. Like everybody's in turmoil, you're running around looking for stuff and generating story ideas and getting pictures, and it's a zoo. When people are running around and you don't really have time to think, but everything that you do is going to be read by millions of people, are you consciously aware of that when you're in those moments? Um, no, I never think of that. <laughs> <laughs> if I see somebody reading the paper the next day on the subway, like I'll think, you know, I did, I did that big picture. But like, you know, if I see, if I see somebody reading it on the subway or on a bench on the street, 
that's always kind of nice. But you hate to see it on the subway floor. That's a bit disheartening. But 35 years later, you still get a kick out of seeing somebody holding your section in their hand. You, you, the, here, the gratification, I'm big on gratification. And I think a lot of our, you know, anybody creative, uh, a lot of the art directors would like feedback, but people are too busy to give you, like, you know, pats on the back here because you're really right on to the next thing the minute. Like people said, that piece you did last week, that layout you did for that story last week was great. I go, I, I don't even remember. Really, because you're on to the next thing immediately. So there's very little time for somebody to say, hey, nice job on that thing. Being one of the more senior people here, how do you find new people adjust to that kind of work? Uh, that's a good question. You know, the young people we've had that are starting here, they actually, they seem very good at it. They know the technology. They, they know that cold. So that helps them, I think. You know, they usually start out under an art director's wing, and that person has his or her own style. So in a way, they're teaching them that style. But I, I think they handle it. The, the people I've seen, I think they handle things very well. You know, it's there's still that pressure, but maybe they're just hiring better people. You know, with me... That was a whole other story. I I would have been crying in the corner <laughs> because of the stress and the and the um, time limits. But if you stick it out, you do get better because you you understand how things work. I, there'll always be cursing and frustration and and you know oh my god I did it again, and you tell yourself every week I'm not going to do that again. A thing they I'm often asked and I and I always tell my friends. I'm not going to do this again. Please remind me next time that I, I have to say no. And actually came up this week. And I said no. And it worked out. You know, my editor said, do you think we could do that? And I go, no, no. And so she said, okay. And she was very happy with what I did. But, you know, it's been 35 years of keep saying, I'm not going to do that again. And I finally did it. So um, that worked out. But, you know, there's a lot of confidence involved, and actually I'm not very confident in a lot of things, but not design. I don't, I don't really stand up for myself as much as I would like, if I, uh, I'm being honest here. Often I'll acquiesce if they ask for like this or that, and I go, okay, okay. Or they'll say, can you make this change? And other art directors would flat out say, no, this is it. No. I'm not making that change. But I... I continue to, uh, you know, try to uh, work with them and please them. And and that has it, its, its advantages and disadvantages. You can come across as a pushover or you can come across as, oh, he's, he's very person, easy to work yeah. with. Uh, so it, it really depends. But uh, I, I wish I was a little more, uh, you know, forceful about my opinion. But, you know, after so many years here, it's like, well, she runs the section, so... Um, if that's what she wants, I'll go, okay, I'll give you that. But it, but everybody's different. I've seen people screaming on the phone. Uh, no, I won't do that. Uh, and, and, but I, I, I'm different. So, uh, But I wish I was a little more uh, strenuous about my you know, standing up for things. That's always a good thing, but not to the point where you're perceived as, I can't work with that person. Mm -hmm. it, but like I say, everybody has their own method. But that method happens as, you, as you're working, and also that method happens uh, the longer you're there. It's like, how much, I, I can't take any more of this. I'm, now I'm going to really start putting my foot down. So it depends on your personality and lots of different things. Mm -hmm. And everybody here is very different, very different. That's really what makes a great workplace is that, you, you know, yeah, it's the people. And thankfully, you know, I, there's some great people around. I used to work with a, an editor. He's still here but does other, other things. And... Um, 
when I first started working with him, there was just something about him that brought the best out in everybody. Everybody wanted to do something great for him, to make him, I don't know what it was. It's like you, you, you wanted to please him. And, you know, he would compliment you, uh, you know, great job. Wow, that looks terrific. I mean, him saying that was like, you, then you'd be on cloud nine. It's like, wow, he liked it. That's terrific. I, I'm very happy. So that was a fantastic way, to me, is the best way to get work, good work out of people. Berating people and telling them they did something wrong or a miserable uh, you know, work environment. or There's lots of ways to have a crappy job being done. But the best way to get a good job out of people is to you know, make them, I think, make them feel like you know, you did a good job. Uh, a pat, the occasional pat on the back. It goes a long way and it costs, you know, it costs nothing. You know, if you can make somebody feel like you, they did a good job when you feel they did a good job, I think you should tell them. You know, maybe it's, maybe that goes back to parenthood, you know, my, my parents. You don't, you don't hear a lot of compliments in my family. So maybe that was what I was missing. And I, I always thought, well, it's nice when somebody says, oh, Richard, that, that's a, Beautiful cover, really came out great. Uh, you know, even walking on the streets, like if I'm, when I'm dressed nice, you know, I, I get compliments occasionally. Um, somebody will just say, "Nice suit," and I'll, and I always say, oh, "Thank you so much, I really appreciate it," because it, I do. Nobody has to say it, and you know, it's and it's hard sometimes to, especially in New York, you know, yelling out some, "Hey, nice suit," you know. So I, I just think that's a, it's a nice to say, it makes people feel good. More people should operate that way. But I've always, I've always, actually, I, I compliment uh, people who do stuff here all the time. It's important. And, and it means, and I, and I feel like it, they're, they're taken aback in a way because like, really? Oh, thank you. Like they're really, uh, yeah, because there's, uh, I oversee, uh, I do my section, but then I oversee uh, another section and that that designer sends me a layout, and I look at it, and I or I'll say, you know, that's not working. What if we move this here? And, oh yeah, that works great. So, um, like if they send me something and I think it looks great, I say, you know, I say, wow, this is great, beautiful job. And they always, always backpedal. It's like you know, they, it's hard for them even to take a compliment. Like, well, you know, I really didn't. I, I always say, well, just say thank you. So it's like you know, they it, it's foreign. And it shouldn't be fun. And I, I think that's just everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, even when I, even in stores, if I say something to a, a, a clerk or a, or a cashier, you know, they really look at you like you're nuts in a way. I get that, and I go, oh, gee, I'm sorry, I, com- I you know, I'm sorry, I complimented you. I, I don't say that, but it's like, come on. Speaking of compliments, I think that you're one of the best-dressed New Yorkers around, and I'm wondering if you could talk to us about your style a bit and what inspires you. Well, thank you. I, I, I thank you right <laughs> off the bat. I do appreciate you saying that. Uh, I, lo- I like getting dressed up, and it's almost a, another form of art or design at this point because um, one of my best friends, he knows I have all these collections and, and, I, 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 and art, art, art things that I've done on my own at home, um, and he'll always say, what are you working on now? What are you collecting, or what are you making? What are you painting? What are you building? So when he, the last time, last year, when he said that, I said, gee, I, I don't know what I have. He said, well, now, you know, he said, I see what you're doing on Instagram, and uh, now you're the art, he said to me. And I said, oh, that was a compliment I, I just loved. I said, wow, that's, thank you. I, 
So you, you've turned yourself into the art. That's the, that's what you're doing now. And I said, well, I guess you're right because um, uh, I do think about it. And Bill Cunningham, who just passed away, always said, uh, I mean, I would see him here every day. So, and he'd see me and he'd, he'd look me over and and he'd always smile and say that the two things he would always say was that you have fun with it and you really think about it. That's what gave him the biggest kick is that he said, you know, you, 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 you can see you think about putting the things together and you're having fun with it. That's, uh, you're having a good time with it. That's how it should be. I've always loved color and I guess it came from, I don't know, I don't know where it came from. Uh, you know, I, I know growing up and it's still there in my mother's house, we had a cookie jar. Uh, it was Mickey Mouse, and it was actually a two. It was it. It is a two-face kind of jar. Uh, one side is Mickey Mouse, and the other side it, it becomes Minnie. So, um, and maybe that has to do with my cookie jar collection. But I think the cookie jar collection is more about color. Um, I, you know, once I got out of school, actually, once I left home, that's when things happened um, for me. You know, I, I was, there was nothing, I mean, I was neat. I was very OCD about things when I was in Pratt doing my, you know, my projects, whatever we had assignments. I was very obsessive about doing things. But there was nothing that, I don't think there were any hints, at least not to me, uh, of my, you know, real color kind of obsession until I got out, of, until I moved, uh, until I got my first apartment and left home and uh, basically coincided with my first job uh, working in Manhattan because I grew up in Brooklyn. And it doesn't sound like a big leap, but it's a big leap going from Brooklyn to Manhattan. And, um, and then, you know, uh, I think it was more because I had my first place all by myself. Back in those days, you, you know, you didn't need five roommates to pay the rent right. <laughs> at the way it is here now. Uh, so, you know, I had my own place and it was like, oh, you know, now I have, I've always had my own money because I always worked uh, summers and, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I, I paid for my college education and I, uh, I had, I had the money to, to get a place and, uh, you know, we were lower middle class. So it wasn't like there was money handed. There was no money. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, I worked summers and I, I made decent money. And um, when I moved to Manhattan, I just felt like, well, you know, now I, I can, if I like something, I'm going to buy it. That's just the way I was. Um, and I, and so, but everything I bought was colorful in Pratt. You know, I was always, uh, I mean, I had friends at home, but, but I, I you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like a, some an explorer kind of a guy so it wasn't like i was going out meeting people you know we we were very isolated where i grew up and we had our small set of friends and actually when i uh, when i first started going to pratt my father who never really said anything he actually said make friends <laughs> that was his advice that was my father's parental advice make friends two words make friends so, uh, and that was funny because I guess he realized, you know, he's, he's not a, a guy who just like goes out and easily makes friends. So, uh, and I'll never forget that. He said that I think, oh, he knows that I'm, whether anxious or quiet or whatever, whatever it was. I mean, I can, with a, with a friend that I know, I'm going to be a nut job. 
and make <laughs> you laugh and do you know anything to make you laugh. So when I went to Pratt, started going to Pratt, um, I sat all by myself and you know I didn't talk to anybody. And there was a guy in you know in in first year you're all in the same class kind of. And there was a guy who uh, saw me and actually said once we became close friends, he said. I saw you sitting by yourself. I felt sorry for you. So I thought you could use a friend. So he took me as a friend. He took me not under his wing, but like, you know, we started hanging out. It was like he just, he introduced me to these three women who are, were identical triplets at, at the school as well. And then we became five connected all the time people. Uh, me and him and, and the three of them, uh, you know, we did it. You know, we, we took most of all the same classes together, uh, hung out most of the time. Um, you know, we even, even after college, graduation, we went to Europe, you know, just friends. So, uh, and it was, it was, my life would be completely different had he, I not met him and had, you know, he not introduced me to them because they opened up. Like a whole other, they were very, uh, and, him, and him as well, they they were very, you know, uh, outgoing, not outgoing, but just like open to doing new things, which I, I kind of never been. So, you know, you know, I started doing lots of different things with them and, you know, I, I felt safe. So, I, you know, if they wanted to go to uh, some strange theater recital or something, you know, whatever it was, I'd say, yeah, yeah, if you're going, I'll, I'll go with you. I'm fine with that. And, and so they opened up whole new things for me. And even Manhattan, it's like, you know, then it was like, you know, I realized, well, I'm, I'm going to move to Manhattan too. They're all moving to Manhattan. Let's do it. I'm going to go there too. So had I not met any of them, well, he introduced me to them. So really, he's the one. They, they, uh, they had a great influence on me because almost like the editor I was talking about who you, you wanted to please that guy and doing good work. I felt that way with them. It's like I wanted to make them. I didn't want to disappoint them. And you and these are people who, you know, like Bill uh, and the the editor. I was talking to the guy editor. Um, it's like if you disappoint them, you feel awful and you let yourself down. Mm -hmm. And 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 in a way, there's a certain amount of pressure in that. But it's it's uh, it's not it's not a bad pressure. It's not like uh, like working hard working kind of pressure it's more like um, because you know there's something at the end that if you do it you just feel great you know so um, they had a great influence uh, and everywhere I've gone I've met somebody who's had a great influence in my life and so that's why I say if you know there's certain people if you didn't meet it's it's really very much like oh, it, the, the movie it's a wonderful life you know everybody is so connected if you didn't meet that guy well, then you wouldn't have a house and you wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't have that child. All these things happen. And if you take one thing away, your life is totally different. Now, that's not to say it couldn't be better. Maybe something would have happened that, you know, oh, gee, I could have been doing much better if I met that person. But hopefully you're happy where you are at the stage in your life and the place you are in your life that you can, you can say, thank God I met those people because uh, I would literally not be here talking to you or going to this party or meeting that famously, fabulously talented, creative person. Uh, you wouldn't have the friends you have. Everything would be different.
So um, it, it's really amazing how l little things you have no idea uh, until you get older and you look back. Right. I, I mean, I mean, I I didn't just come realize this. I I knew this in Pratt that like you know the, my life is that without them, without my my friends that I made. I, I would be, I don't know what I'd be. I'd probably be sitting alone in a corner still. Uh, and then also, you know, w when you're friends like that, then you have this kind of competition thing too going on, un unspoken, but yeah, that's there. You know, it's like you all try to beat out, even the three of them would try to outdo each other. So you're all trying to outdo each other. So I think all our work got better from it because you have this friendly, yeah. it's like, you know, basketball players, who are really good friends, but on opposite teams, and yeah. they have to, you know, yeah. they got to do it. So some, you know, so we would we would have a we would have a you know friendly competitions, and it would be it would be uh, beneficial to the, our work. Mm -hmm. well, we all got A's, but it's like you know, uh, it was just fun to do it, you know, and and it upped your game. And we're still we're still friends to this day. That's amazing. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time oh. to speak with me today. It's been a pleasure to interview you. Oh, my pleasure. I had a great time. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Question Everything. I'm your host, Carly Sotis, and each week I bring you inspiration and insights from creative minds and experts in entrepreneurship, publishing, and design. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can download the show at iTunes, SoundCloud, and at citr.ca. 